All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Build Podcast. This episode of the Garage Build Podcast is brought to you by Arlen Ness Motorcycles. Save 10% and receive free shipping in the lower 48 states when you use the sales code GarageBuild10 on all orders at ArlenNess.com. Team Dream Rides of Tennessee and Maryville, Tennessee. Dream Rides is located only minutes from the tail of the dragon and they specialize in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales and service, maintenance and repair. Visit TeamDreamRides.com or follow at DreamRidesTennessee on Instagram to check their used motorcycle inventory or to purchase your next performance parts for your Harley. The High Seas Rally sets sail this October 29th through November 5th on the High Seas for the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. One week, 3,500 bikers in four Caribbean ports. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram and use the code SPEEDMETAL when you book your cabin and you'll save $100. And this time around, we're giving you the drink card for free. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Bell Helmets USA. Follow at bellhelmets underscore power to see the latest in helmet design and safety. See your local Bell Helmets dealer to order your new Bell Helmet today. We are also brought to you by Electric Lighting featuring top shelf LEDs backed by 30 years of cutting edge industry-leading manufacturing and the best warranty in the market. Use the sales code SPEED2022 for free shipping in the lower 48 on all orders over 50 bucks at namscustomcycleproducts.com. And last but not least, we are brought to you by 1620 Workwear Premium, made in the USA workwear, guaranteed for life. Visit 1620usa.com and use the discount code SPEED2022 and you'll save 20% at checkout. Also follow at 1620USA on Instagram. Great podcast today. I think this may be my best interview yet with a good friend of mine, Corey Souza from Corey Souza Originals in Sarasota, Florida. Spent some time with him last night and this morning. I'm really happy with the way this one turned out. So let's get this thing out of the garage and up on the street for this episode of the Garage Build Podcast. You're listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. Sarasota, Florida, which is nice. Look at beautiful. It is. This is beautiful out here, man. I love it. This neighborhood's the best, man. It's like so quiet at night. No, you did good. You did good. It's like I don't know that if your if your neighbors realize that. Oh, I'm a menace. I'm the I'm the I'm the asshole because like I come home and it's like I'm either in the Cadillac or my brothers and they're just like oh this fucking guy. But I try to wave to them all and smile. But they do. A lot of them have complimented me that like man you did a really nice job of the house. Thanks for like making it nice because it was the worst house in the neighborhood. It was the it was the the lunker of the neighborhood. Dude, it was like. My front yard looked like my backyard with the grass. It was horrible. And then my house was, it was white and all the, it was yellow. And all the yellow was like faded, looked like piss. <laughs> so I had the whole house painted, then rode them all inside. And then I had the landscapers come in, tear the lawn up, plant all the sod, and then do 
all my flower beds and shit. So it looks nice, dude. You did a really good job on the inside too. I have to tell you, it's like it's exactly what I would think if you were, you know, if I was like, okay, what what is Corey's house gonna look like on the inside? And you got that. That's a J model, isn't it? Yes, that yeah, thing is gorgeous, 16. dude. I mean, the only thing that's not original on that thing is the tires are Coker tires, and then uh, the floorboards are not original, but they are correct. And then I guess the front fender is off of fifteen. That's what people tell me. But I don't think it devalues it. And then obviously the striping on it sucks. No, I'm, well, but okay. I'm not going to take cares? it off because you know it's burnt into it. No matter if I took that off of some like of an off cleaner, you know you're still going to see those lines. Yeah, why bother? I'm just if someone with a shaky hand forty years ago did it, or or a hundred years ago could right. be. Um, that's funny. So you have, I mean, it just people we're in custom Harleys, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do for a living. So it just shows you that somebody back then was customizing shit too if it's got a 15 front fender on it maybe somebody liked the way that the 15 fender looked when they got the 16 just like uh, now you would you would maybe do something like when the ba- remember when the bags came out yep. uh that were a little bit longer in the back that kind of oh. dipped down and then everybody you know there were some people that were looking for those bags and there were some people were looking for the straight bags at uh, the bottom so it's funny my buddy jared he was over here the other day and he's like you know he's into motorcycles and stuff like that but he's like nah like he's not, you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah. And he's like he's like man i was looking at that you know your harley and he goes it just blows me away that, I, like, he goes, because he was, like, a big Exile fan. And when yeah. Exile came out with the internal throttle and all that shit, like, he right. thought that was, like, the cat's meow. And he's like, your bike inside has internal throttles. I'm like, yeah, back in 16, they were doing that <laughs> right. shit. But people just, re- they think, like, they recreate the wheel. They're like, now they're famous for it. You know? No, it's not. It's just, like, we were just talking about reappropriating other people's work into a more modern version of it or whatever it is. Yeah. It's, it, you know, that's probably the, <clears throat> that's one of the hardest things, I think, when people get into this business, I think people, I think most people get into this business with the idea that, you know, they obviously they enjoy it and they're, they're into the motorcycle scene and that. And then it's like when it's new, like everything's new, right? Every event you go to, you haven't been to that event before. Every, every person you meet is somebody you don't already have any history with. And then you start doing your stuff and you think you're doing something, like you said, you think you're doing something that's completely unique and original. And then you see somebody else doing something similar or and it's people get frustrated with they think people are stealing from them right right okay and it's some of it is some of it is blatant yep. thievery yep some of it is reappropriating like engineering principles and ideas but by and large i think the longer you're in this industry the more you learn that you know what i'm doing what, i'm i'm just going to do what i did yeah and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. And we were talking earlier, you and I, about some of the companies that are fine, uh, that are franchising their their business model. And to me, if a franchisable business model is a business model that is repeatable, right. um, the heavy lifting is kind of already done, and you're and you're reappropriating somebody's proven formula. Yeah. And you don't do that. You when you build a bike, you start with a clean sheet of paper. I'm assuming when you start yeah. with a bike, what. Where do you, where does the, the idea come from? Because your bikes are, you know, you're, you're real proud of your performance ability, no matter whether it be crispy with the 30 on the front. Is that 30 or 32? Yeah, 30. 30. Right. So whether it be that bike with the 30 on it, whether it be your soft tail with the dirty tail on it, you always use a big motor, good exhaust, performance exhaust. Where do you start? I kind of like when the customers come in, if I'm not building my own stuff, but like when the customer comes in, I kind of get the vibe, like, what are they about? What are they like? And I kind of like just go out with them, hang out and like have conversations with them. And then you can almost get like an idea based off like, like you said, you go to the house. It's like, you see like 
like what they have, like what they like. You look at their cars, and then they come in to the shop, and then they get different ideas by seeing some of the other bikes from the sh- like lying around what I have. So I kind of like, I sat there with it, and then <laughs> I mean it's tough because it's like the big thing is with everybody with me is like. They were like, well, I want you to run what I want you to do your thing. Just do your thing. Right. Well, doing your thing is hard. It's like, I remember a long time ago, I was, when I was working for Parowitz, I was in, we were in Sturgis, and um, there was this kid, we, and I went to, we went to a Hall of Fame dinner or breakfast or something like that. I forgot where we were at, right. but there was this kid on this chopper, and it was a killer chopper. Did a great job. And I remember uh, Donnie, Dave, I think even Arnold Ness was there, and we're, all, we're, and we're all looking at this kid's bike, and the kid's sitting on it, he's so proud of it, right? Right. But he was kind of like real cocky and standoffish. And it's like, you got a bunch of guys that well respect the industry checking out your stuff. And I remember Dave said, hey buddy, great looking bike. Now do now do 12 more of those different. And, I, and that really sunk <clears> me <throat> because it's like, it's very hard to cheap recreating the wheel and, and make the next one better than the next one and better than the next one. And when people put that on you, I don't think they realize that's probably one of the toughest parts of the whole build is like- To keep going. To keep going. Pick the colors of all the motor, the transmission, the, uh, the covers on the motor, because you want them to be different. You don't want to just make it all look like one, because like that's the heart of the beast. And then like, all right, now pick the colors of the paint job, put the graphics in it, and like you know me, like my polka dot bike is off the wall. Not many people would want to ride that because it's too much for them. So I'm like, gun shy a little bit to do that same stuff that somebody else because I don't know if they love it or hate it. So, without doxing anybody, is that person in the in the industry now? Is that somebody that we know? That chopper no, kid? No, he's gone. So that's that's an interesting thing, and I want to I want to talk about that. But I'm going to ask first. Like, so you said that you know when you meet you, when somebody comes in, and uh, and they want you to build a bike, and, and you spend some time with them. Have you ever had anybody that you're like, look, man, I really don't think that I'm your guy. I think that you'd be better suited here with this builder, or do you have you been lucky enough that the people that come into your business are are the kind of people that if they're already there, I think they already like you. They already want to work yeah. with you, right? So I'm not trying to, um, but I'm just saying, like, you know, do you ever get a vibe from somebody? They're like, man, I just don't think I can make this person happy, or? Yeah, I've gotten that vibe before, you know, but I still keep on moving on. And, like, uh, honestly, I've had a couple of things like that, but at the end of the dance, I, I felt like like we became really good friends. Right. And I blew them away with their build, and they're really happy with it. But sometimes it takes... They'll come get their bikes, and they're like, eh, and you can tell they're on the fence. A lot of people don't have their own opinions, and they'll go to a show, and then when they win a show because it's killer, then they love their bike, which is kind of nuts. But that's a lot that goes on, you know? That's disappointing because I've never, um, you know, even though I do, you know, we put that show on in Lakeland every year, um, I'm not really, I would love for somebody to like the work that I do, Mm -hmm. but I like the work that I do enough to where um, I don't, I kind of don't, I'm not saying I don't want or need that approval because it, it does feel good when somebody like tells you you have something nice. But I feel bad for people that are looking for uh, that kind of uh, validation from the outside in when they're not the one doing the work. Like, you know, I get it. You know, you go you're you are easily one of the hardest working dudes that I know. Like hands, and you're very hands-on. So you know, we were, I was at your shop yesterday, and I've been at your shop several times, and we've been friends for a lot of years now. And and I've always known that this is what you were about. Like the, the motorcycle thing is what you do, and your friends are all motorcycle people, and your vacations are all motorcycle-related vacations, and, and you're constantly working. But going into your shop yesterday and realizing how many bikes are there, how much space you occupy, the stuff uh, you know, there's lots of 
parts being shipped out. There's lots of parts being shipped in. You have a lot of moving pieces. And to find out that there's only three people, including yourself there, that was, it's very impressive. And I, and I don't think that we hear that enough in this industry. I think that we're looking for accolades from the outside, uh, from people that we maybe don't know. Yeah. And uh, for, for me to go there yesterday and say, okay, so, you know, because I'm an observer, yeah. Right. That's part of what this podcast is about is, is getting to know people and getting to see their businesses and being allowed into um, the internal kind of, you know, being able to to to, to watch that happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being in the belly of the beast, if you yeah. will. And uh, it was really impressive to see. I paid a lot of attention yesterday and yeah. you have like these workstations set up and you have if somebody didn't know if somebody came to your shop at the end of the day and you were the only one there and you're like just showing somebody around, I would think you had five or six people that right. work there full time because of the level of work that's going on and the amount of equipment that's there and the number of toolboxes and everything. Ooh, got this, uh, I don't want this thing to fall. Um, it's, it's very impressive. So you should be very proud of that. No, I definitely am. And it, it's, it's definitely a lot of work. And I mean, I've had a guy call me, one of my friends, um, Jimmy Halston. He does a lot of powder coating. He yeah. I know who he is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's in Ohio or Indiana, right? I think so. Yeah. Holstein designs, I yep. believe. Well, he hit me up one time, and he was like, man, I just got to ask something. He's like, I follow you. You put out a lot of bikes and all this stuff. He's like, just tell me, like, what's the secret? And I said, there's no secret. I just don't have a life like everybody else, man. I dedicate my life to my shop. My shop is my number one priority. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Uh, and that's a huge thing. I mean, I feel like I sacrificed a part of my life of, like, that family life and stuff like that to do with the motorcycle thing. Are you reticent sometimes when you think about that? You know, like, you know, you have a beautiful home, and I know you worked really hard to get this up to where you needed it to be. Yeah. And do you ever come home and alone and just go like, oh, man, you know, it'd be nice if there were some kids running around and a wife, or and it's okay if yeah. you know if that's something that's if it's a touchy subject or what? But no, it's not touchy. I mean, yeah, I, of course, I, I I think it'd be cool. Like I, I do sometimes thinks about like if I had a son or a daughter, like it'd be really cool to like. Have my, have him hanging or her hanging at my shop and teaching them like what we do with that, keep it going on. Do you know right. what I mean? Because I know like my mom would love that, you know, because it's like my brother Jason has a daughter, but like I don't know. I, I think sometimes I think I like am I messing up? Am I too old for that now? You know what I mean? So I don't know what to do sometimes. But I don't want to be at the same time. I don't want to be <clears throat> have a kid and be at the shop and travel and do all this stuff and neglect my kid. So yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's like maybe I'm a little scared. I don't right. know how to handle it, but I think if I did, I'd figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, you seem to live a, a, a very, you know, I've never, I've never seen you have, I've never seen you have a bad day. I mean, do you, do you, I'm assuming you have bad days like everybody yeah. else, but, but, you know, you seem to, you seem to handle it very well and you don't, I, I've never, I've never heard you have, I mean, the only time that I, and I, you know, I don't want to bring up something that's, that's really bad, but I know that when you and I both have a common a common thing that happened to both of us since we've been friends we both lost our dads and, yeah. and you know you and I talked quite a bit when that happened but <sighs> aside from that you seem to have you know a very full life and, and do a lot of a lot of different things what do you what do you do away from motorcycling motorcycling if if anything is there anything that you do away from that my new hobby I just got man I'm like uh, my buddy Eric he got me into jet skiing and I like <clears throat> I've realized that like I finally said to myself you know what I can take Mondays off because I've worked past seven years every single day so i was like been, now i'm starting to be a little selfish so on mondays i go jet skiing and mm -hmm. I, I bought one sold it and now i got a faster one and to me that's like my water motorcycle <laughs> and i love it you know what i mean but honestly like we live in a beautiful place here in sarasota 
and I want to like take advantage of the water. Yeah, that was like what that. I, that that was my next question is like you know you've so if you look at the arc of your um of of your career right so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell what I know and right. then do me and then you just fill in kind of the blanks. I know you kind of you came into this you were in the fox fox body Mustangs prior to this you kind of you found your way into the, the Perowitz family around o two o three right o mm-hmm. four. Uh, I know that because I was watching. I think it was a couple of years ago. I didn't even post this. I was. I got up one morning. I was watching the biker build off was on, right. and then here you go walking walking across my screen. I'm like, why why is Corey on my TV? And I completely, you know, I had always associated you. Um, you and I met after you had left that family and you moved from. You worked for them for quite for a number of years, and then um, you went to I believe. Atlanta or somewhere in Georgia, Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay, yeah. and then you came to Florida. Uh, you were going to work for you did work for Roaring Toys for a minute, Bobby over there, yeah. and then uh, you found your way to actually create KSO Corey Sue's Originals. And you know, uh, tell me, what am I? That's uh, that's real easy. Okay, you work for Parawit, so obviously you got some yeah. really good training, you got some really good experience, got to know some really great people. Yeah. Um, what compels you to like, how do you get enough stones to go, okay, it's time for me to do this for myself with my own ideals and that that's got to be a pretty daunting thing to kind of decide to do, right? It was really, really, and it honestly, did. I, my buddy, my, you know, Dominic really pushed me to do it because he was like, you got this, man. And I needed that push forward. So I don't come from family money or any of that stuff. So I end up selling my high boots that I built myself when I worked for Perowitz. I sold it for like 14 or 15 grand and I got myself into the shop and I took the 15 grand and I just took on any project possible just to, cause I didn't want to fail. Right. So it took a lot to get me going, but honestly, like work for Perowitz, I learned what to do and not to do's work for Bobby. I learned the same thing, what to do and not to do in business. And then I was just like, finally one day, just like, I got this. Like my motto is, people the way I want to be treated. I don't gouge anybody. <clears throat> I stand behind everything I do. Uh, I've just been plenty of times I've done late night calls where I drive out to somebody if they blow an air shock or something like yeah. that, I can swap that stuff out. And then, and just going to shows, it's just like if anybody, if it's important to you, it's important to me. So if you want to talk to me about something, <clears throat> I'm going to hear it out and listen to you. you yeah, know? you've always been, you know, in it's funny it's like you and i are in a lot of the same places a lot of the same times that we don't get to spend quality social time together because you're working i'm working you know i never want to interrupt you when you're with your your clients or your potential clients and that and but i i do notice that you make time for everybody i do even for the haters like you know what i mean and and there's oh there's always a little bit of that and and that and you seem to be very good at um diverting that negative energy and, and in actually engaging people into a positive conversation. And, you know, I mean, we know a lot of people in the industry that maybe don't have that skill right. and you develop that over time, I would imagine. No, I did. You know, like you said about haters like that, there's, a, there's probably one or two people in the industry that we don't definitely don't see how to get along with. But honestly, at the same time, I'm respectful with it. I just like, I'm not one to cause issues with anybody. You know what I mean? Right. And I kind of kill them with kindness, you know, and I just be who I am. But I honestly, like, there's a lot of people that, you know, I'm sure I walk up and we talk and like when I walk away, I'm sure they got something to say about me. You know what I mean? But I just like, I just try to stay positive every day, man. You know what I, I mean? I think if, I think most people when they walk away, when you walk away from them, I think they take away from the fact that you are a nice guy because you convey that. And I think if somebody gives you an opportunity to actually engage and have some conversation, they're going to find that, they're going to find that that's, that's, 
a pretty easy, um, measurable skill that, that you've mm-hmm. developed. Um, how do you, so, you know, back when, when you did work with Perowitz and, and worked for Perowitz and stuff, what was your, what was your main, what was your main skill set? Well, you know, where did, where did you, where did you start out? I mean, you know, is it, is it, here's, here's, here's your toolbox, here's your workspace, no. there's a bike or, or, you know, how does, how do you scale that up working for somebody who, who has been doing it for so long? Uh, you know, at that point he'd been doing it for 30 years. Yeah, no, it was started from the bottom. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I went over there and like, I was a shipper. So I was upstairs in the yard above the garage and I, I had my own little desk and uh, Susan was up there and Dave would be up there doing paperwork and I would ship parts because Dave back in the day used to make parts and like custom chrome distributed them. Like yeah. We did coil mounts and uh, air cleaners and stuff like the that. The headlight. I used to use his headlight. He had yeah. a headlight called the look. Yep. Parowitz the look. That made like, little hose clamps and, cl- you know, so I would get, Susan would get the orders given to me and I would start shipping and I remember it started there and then on Friday there was a sportster that was supposed to go out and all Dave's guys were started at like five in the morning. So by two o'clock, it was a ghost town, you know? Right. I'm a 10 o'clock guy, you know, I can't, I don't get up <laughs> yeah. early. So uh, I remember this bike had to leave and I went downstairs and Dave wasn't around and I think he was aggravated because it needed to go. And uh, I just went and got some tools and I put it together. And Dave's like, I didn't know you know how to work on bikes. And I'm like, well, nuts and bolts and nuts and bolts. And at the right. time, I had my Fox body, and you could just work on, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably one of the, I, I always tell people, like, that's one of the best hot rods ever built. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? They make they make every nut, every bolt, every aftermarket part. It's a good, I mean, that's, if you think about it, it's a, it's a good way to learn how yeah. to take something apart and put it back together, because you can break them a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's where I started. Then. And then when we went to the new building, when Discovery took off, uh, I was, we had a full parts department, so I ran the parts department. I was still the shipper. And then we branched off instead of doing just custom bikes. We opened a division doing a service department. So now I was the service department guy. I worked on the bikes. I shipped the boxes. And then I dealt with people coming to the parts window to sell themselves. So I was like selling the guys the parts, doing the work, doing the invoice, bringing it upstairs to Susan. And, you know, they'd cash them out or stuff like that. So... After that, I just kind of like was well rounded in the whole thing. And yeah, like, after that time, you probably felt like you're getting spread pretty thin. But now looking at your shop, one of the things that I noticed yesterday was because, um, and I have to tell you, full disclosure, when I'm at somebody else's shop, I like to be as quiet as I can, take as much in as I can, and I'm very observant. And I noticed that at the workstations, you had these workflow t- charts that were there and billable hours and stuff like that. And, and I was very, very curious and I wanted to hear how you, how you how you come up with that like how do you how do you figure that out i mean because you seem to have a system is that your system or is it a system that you no, reappropriated it, is it but it's actually i went to um it was probably like four or five years ago i went to maui with matt beckel and i went out there and jesse jerns was there from legends yeah and we went on a fishing trip one day I and mean, we got up at like fucking butt crack of dawn it was like four in the morning we were on this and remember trip. you're a 10 o'clock guy yeah so i'm already you know that doesn't work for me but we're on this boat and it is hot, hot, hot. And we're out there for a full day. And we didn't catch nothing, you know. But I had a lot of time to talk to Jesse. And I, I've always liked Jesse. I thought his, when he did that low-life frame, and I thought those bikes were killer. I always beautiful. wanted one of those. So I took the opportunity to talk to Jesse on the boat. And I asked him, I said, man, I'm new in business. What do you, what can you offer me for advice? Like, where, where, like, where were you... Do you feel like you're more efficient? Because sometimes I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And he was just like, 
he told me about the boards. And he says, listen, I want go have a meeting every morning with you guys. Yep. Tell them what you need from them and what they need from you. Get books, which I did. And he goes, put up those boards. And I had, at that time, I had uh, four people that worked for me. Right. Now, five with myself. And uh, one of my guys took to it. And now those boards and the books, and we do the meetings every when morning. When you say books, what are you talking about? So I went out and bought a book. It's just like, you know, your typical black and white book that you'd have in high school back in the day, whatever, whoever makes that thing. And uh, so, like Steve, the kid that works for me, um, he writes in his book every day. At the end of the day, he writes what he did. He writes amount of hours that he applied to each job. And then on top of it, on the chalkboards, everybody's projects is on there, so he updates it every day. So when he knows I work late at night and I work weekends, where he goes in every morning at 9.15, leaves at 6. Yep. So I don't need to call him and ask him anything. If I need to do an estimate or invoice or see what's been going on, I just look read his book, mm-hmm. which is huge for me because I'm in and out all day long. I'm here, I'm there, I'm doing stuff to promote the shop, and then I'm running, getting parts for everybody, I'm ordering the parts for everybody, and then you know I entertain all the key people to come in. So it's good for me to see what he did during the day. I don't need to bother him when he's at home with his family at night. I can do billing for off based off his books, and you know what's going on. And then honestly, it, it teaches him, too, the amount of time it takes to do something. So now when a person comes in, they're like, hey, I want say I want one of these dirty tails. We know an average... One of our dirty tails to actually pull the whole motor apart, Cerakote, paint, whatever you want to do the motor, build it, um, build the whole bike, all the fab work, because we make our fenders out of steel and stuff like that. We know it's based on 100 to 115 hours that go into these motorcycles. Don't. So I think it's almost like you're teaching yourself, too. Same thing. Well, <clears throat> I have, a, I have a, 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 a lot of what we do at my shop is is book time stuff, right? Yep. So we, we pay for a service that tells us if you're going to do you know, inner cam bearings, it's this much money, right? right? And then you have something called the bump. So you bump things, you know, industry averages around one and a half times. So um, we we try to stay within that book. Like, you know, if you beat the clock, then then you're doing good, right? You're making money, you're, you're, you're efficient. But yeah. um, it, it's interesting to come into your shop and realize that you kind of have to write your own book. Right. You kind of have to tell your own story. You kind of have to, and it's good that you have, have a system. It seems like you're really open to suggestions from other people and and, and which i find to be interesting because you have your own way of doing your motor like your motorcycles have a signature to them uh i don't know i i I hope that you know this i hope that people realize this that i can see a a Corey souza original bike from pretty far away and know know that it's yours even though they're like Cabbage Patch Kids. No two, no two of them are the same. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's good to know that you have a system that, that's in there. Are you, are you open to suggestion? Absolutely. And I've always listened to people that like, especially if someone's doing better than me or they got to figure it out, I'll definitely have a conversation, listen to them. But I do have my own system at the shop. But I always take advice, especially like Jesse. Like, I thought there was solid information. I took it. And it's worked out for me. So, uh, yeah, for sure, I'd listen to somebody if they, you know, got to figure it out. Why not? So you, your career started. You're, you're going to come up probably. Uh, is it O three that you started? <coughs> at Paris. O three is yeah, right around. 03. So you're coming up this this coming year will be your twentieth anniversary in the industry. Yeah, yeah, because so, I think O five or O six is when I debuted my my chopper. But I was already working with Dave, and because we were in the new shop by then. So yeah, right. I would say I'm almost twenty years. So that that's a pretty big milestone for anybody. Yeah, 
I mean, you know, if you worked at Ford Motor Company and you had 20 years in, you know, you, there'd probably be a cupcake for you in a, in a gold watch. Yeah, you know, I don't know what's, what's yeah, I don't think I'm going to get nothing there. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get any of that. <laughs> you, um, you know, you've bought a house in the last couple of years. You bought a house. You know, you, you seem to be on a, on a, on a, a real good headspace, mm -hmm. you know, as far as, you know, on a, on a, on a regular basis, you're, you're, you're happy. You're, you're happy. You're lucky. You're, you're good to be around. What do you, what do you not, what is your next challenge? Like, I know you, I know that you constantly challenge yourself when you build motorcycles, but I'm talking yeah. about personally, professionally, like finish this sentence. Like, you know, my, my goal over the next two years or five years is for KSO to, to what? Um, I would really like to get into the parts division. Um, I'm just having a hard time figuring out where to start it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to do what a lot of people do is just buy somebody else's thing and kind of like recreate it and call it theirs. Right. Um, I do make my some of my own parts now. I make speaker grills. I distribute to a lot of the guys. I mean, I go to shows now and see my parts on bikes, which I love that. Right. And I only make a couple things, but I really do see the value in making parts. So I like to stay, build my one-off bikes that I do. I'll always stay true to that, but I would like to get like a little parts division going. And it doesn't have to be like to the level like Arlen Ness or something like that with their parts, but I'd like to do some like parts that you can put on a custom bike, you can put on a regular bike, maybe something that no one's thinking about, like a small niche, And but start getting doing some of that, man. How important is it to you? And this isn't this isn't. I'm not trying to, to paint you in a corner here. I just want to get somebody else's opinion of it. You know, we live in what is arguably, you know, we're in a consumer-based society, right? You yeah. know, I, when I drive, when I leave here today and I go back to Lakeland, I'm going to drive past probably over two million square feet of uh, of warehouse that they're building, yeah. and they're not building. It, none of it's factory. It's not to produce. It's to it's to distribute, right? Yeah. So how important is it? When you, when you say, like, making things here in the United States, like, how important is that in a, in a global economy? And is that something that, you know, because there's a lot of parts manufacturers that yeah. they, they do the R&D here and then they send it overseas and right, right. whatever. I mean, no, I'm not naming any names. I'm not saying it's good or bad or indifferent, yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, how do we, how do we, what's the correct, correct percentage of that, do you think? In this industry? Yeah. I mean, what should we shoot for? Obviously, 100% is not yeah. possible. I mean, I you mean, know. even if you did 80-20, it'd be nice. But I think a lot of the stuff here, like in this, I don't. What do you think? Are, what's the biggest barrier to entry then for for you? You want to have a parts line. What is what is your biggest barrier? Is it engineering? Is it research and development? Is it design? Is it manufacturing? Or is it materials? I mean, those are the only I five. Think it's, honestly, the big, biggest barrier is believing in myself and doing it. Just like the same thing I had with starting my build my business. It's like it took me forever to. I needed someone to give me that kick in the ass to get me going. And I think I'd do the same thing with these parts thing. Like we made a couple things and it's going really well. And, you know, I use a local shop here that does, you know, we designed it all. We made prototypes and then we give the file to them and then we just have them cut it for us. Right. And then we, you know, we ship them out of the shop. And I just think like, I need to step back from, um, I don't know. It's not time. There's not enough time today, man. It's so okay, tough. Okay. So that that's my next question is, yeah. is how do you, how do you, properly you're 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 arguably running a you know a one and a half man show at some points in time it's a one man show at other points in time there's only 24 hours in a day we know that you're you know you like this you know you, you're a 10 o'clock guy but you're also you know on a regular well, it was tuesday night we were out till 
one in the morning and it seemed pretty pretty normal pretty yes, natural yeah, for you so yeah. how do you you know how do you make time to do the things that you want to do it's and that's it i don't know because i don't i don't really make time for myself well like i said the whole monday thing going uh jet skiing is like a whole new thing for me and it's just like it's tough because it's like i go to the shop and i want to focus on like i'm building a new bike for sturgis against to do this build off against shope and i'm like I'm having a hard time getting the things done on it because people come in, they see me working on my own bike, and they're like, well, why aren't you working on my bike? You know what I mean? So it's very tough to figure everything out. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer to that is, man. It's just, it's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of people that you're trying to make happy. I realize I can't make everybody happy, even though I really try to do it. When someone gets upset with me, I'm upset with myself because it's like I try to do the right thing every day. Um, but I'm only one dude and Steve's only one guy and we're a two man shop and we, and you know, you saw all the bikes in there. It's just like a lot of the shops when you play the handle what I handle. Cause it's like, it's a very, just picture having 40 bills in your shop and in all parts moving at all times. So you have 40 bikes that you have to make sure you're ordering the right parts. What's getting powder coated? What's going here? What's getting bolts? What's parts are ordering in? Uh, what's going to paint next? Who was there before that person? I mean, I go to other shops and like, they got like three or four bikes they're doing and they're stressing out. And I'm just like, this is a walk in the park. I'd love to have this. How do you stay disciplined? I discipline myself. I have to. Because I know that if I'm not there to get it done, it's not going to get done. I mean, Steve does a great job when I can leave and go to like Donnie Smith's show. <clears throat> I go to the foliage drawer and stuff like that. And I'll give him a list of things to do. And he stays on point. He's from where I'm from back. At, I'm like Mass. He's from Rhode Island. He's got great work ethics. So I can walk away from it, but I ha I you gotta eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. So one of the things I think that we all suffer from in this industry is being people poor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's hard to find people that have good work ethic. It's hard to find people that actually have the skill set that they they think they do. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that KSO is people poor, or would you say that it, it's just time poor? I would say it's time poor. I just don't have enough time to do things. I mean, I think my customers, they are patient sometimes enough to wait for me to get done because they want one of my, my products. Right. And when they get done, I mean, I, I had a kid the other day when I was out on his bike, and all of a sudden, I, I just built it for him like six months ago, and he just puts a picture of his bike and tamper in front of the sign, and he's just like, I effing love my bike. Thank you, Corey Susan. Like, that stuff means so much to me to see that stuff because it, like, it means so much. Because I know I did a good job, and that kid's that happy six months later. He loves his motorcycles. He went to a bike night. He said people are all checking out. He's playing the music. So. Is that the biggest accolade that you can get as a builder? I mean, like. I think so. I think, I mean. As I, somebody who's a lifelong career, you've dedicated your life to this industry. This is your career. What is the absolute highest accolade, the highest honor you could ever get? Whether it be from your peers, your, you know, the general public, a show. A magazine what is the highest honor that you can have for me personally the highest honor I would I'd ever have is if if Perro, Dave Perros came up to me and put his arm around me and just say man you're doing a great job like I want him to recognize that he molded me to be who I am yeah in this industry and I don't know if it would ever happen it might you know uh, second come from that is my customers man they when I do something for them it's like they, they buy my clothes and uh, they 
take my bikes and they, they, I mean, my customers carry my business cards around with them and they hand them out to people. And I think that's huge right there that they're so happy with me that they're willing to <laughs> it's like they work for me. They're out pumping my, my, you know, right. They're out, name. they're out making, making you a, you know, a more, more of a household name in that. Right. And they, I mean, even if I go places, I never wear my own clothes usually. Like when I go out and stuff, I like feel that. weird about that. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I'm like, I'll, I'll, you know, I go, <laughs> I probably have put on and taken off more cycle stop shirts before I get ready to go somewhere because I think that's so verbose. And so if you notice, like, usually I have a different shirt on today, but if you see me in public at most shows, I either have a plain white tee or a plain black yeah, tee. Yeah, I notice that. You know, I, I just feel like um, I would wear a KSO shirt before I would wear one of my own shirts because, you know, you're my friend, I love you, and I want to see you do well, and I want people to be like, okay, this guy's not – Right. an asshole this guy cares about other people right you know what i mean and so that's what i want people to take away when they meet me what do you want people to take away when they meet you um i guess that i'm a, I'm a really good dude man and that I, I don't know i just like people to like hey i had a folk i had a 20-minute conversation with corey what if what a cool kid or what a good dude like he sat there and talked to me about stuff that was important to me and he took the time to hear me out. And that's all, you know, that's all I really care about. You know, I just, I don't know. <laughs> when, when, you, when I go to your shop, one of the things that I really love about your shop is when I'm there, I feel, uh, first off, I feel that you have air conditioning, and I really like that, and I'm very jealous <laughs> about that. You have that. You have that <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, you've got the murals on the walls, and, and you're kind of, you're, you're real playful about, what you do too so i can definitely tell that it's that you're you're having fun about what you do for a living yeah do you ever see kso getting into the space where you're building custom cars too and you know custom everything no really i i have to tell you I that of no, all the things that you've ever said to me that i'm i'm more shocked about what you just uh, said that you said no i would say the only reason i'd say no is like i like cars obviously you saw my my 61 biscayne there and stuff like that um I feel like for myself, like that is like my personal project for myself that I'm gonna do. Right. But when we go back to like you say, what a struggle of mine is not enough time a day. If I took on a whole another division of now doing cars and trucks or stuff like that, I don't know. I couldn't handle it. I know I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I just feel like I'd be putting more pressure on myself, and I'm gonna start disappointing people because it's like I've had a bunch of people working for me, and I have. Not many people work for me, and I'm a bad boss when it comes to that stuff because I am not that dude that's going to come in, scream, tell you what to do, freak out. I just can't, and I know that because I'm hands-on, and yep. I want to be on my side. You see, I have two sides of my shop. I have my own side, and my employee has his own side. That's something that I learned from you that I've done. I have my own shop at my business now, yeah. and it doesn't mean that people can't go in there because they've got to go to get in the warehouse. They have yeah. to go through my shop to use the vapor blaster. They've got to come into my shop, but... They know if I have that door closed, that if they come through there, just come through there, do your business, and, and you right. know I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to work on something too, and that was something that I, I learned from you, and I thought you know what that's what I need. I need to have, I, I need to have somewhere where, this is where I'm working. This is where my tools are. This is where I'm doing it's your space. Yeah, I mean it'd be like having a house with one bedroom in it, and there's ten people sleeping in your room, or yeah. you have your own room. You yeah, know? right. So I needed that, and I mean. Trust me, my door opens all day long. If it isn't Courtney coming in asking me for something, or this guy's here, this guy's here, uh, or Steve coming in asking me stuff, like, but at nighttime, 
the music goes up. I'm there by myself. All my doors are locked, and that's when I get things done at night. Do you have, do, do people, are you at a point now where it's like, listen, it would be really helpful, or do you have a buffer to where you need, we, I really need you to schedule an appointment? Because, you know, and not to be obnoxious about it, but it's like your time's valuable, so is your customers. Yeah. Their money's valuable to you. You know, it should be valuable to them, yeah. right? If it's not, then that's probably not the right customer. If they don't care about yeah. the money part of it, then, you know, there, there's no way to, uh, there's no way to determine the value of, of your hard work right. if they're not willing to value the money that they're going to give you to do it. And I think that's something that is lost on a lot of people who throw money around is that I need for this to be important to you in order for me to do the kind of job that I want to do for you. Right. So are you at a point where you're scheduling appointments for consultations or is it still just kind of a walk-ins welcome? We try, we really try to schedule appointments. I mean, Courtney tries to do that for me to get, to relieve uh, pressure off me. The problem with it is I've been such a personable person to talk to. What well, goes back to what we talked about, but supporting his point to me. Right. Um, I recently, a friend of mine, we had an argument and a big falling out due to the fact that I can't always be the shop to stop by in the middle of the day to kill time because you're going to a doctor's appointment or, uh, or you're going to do this. And they just come to my shop. And they, you're like everybody else, man, I'm allowed to have a good day and a bad day. In my bad days, when I'm stressed out, I have deadlines to meet, and these things have to get done. And I know, like, the more time people stop me from doing, the later and later I'm going to be here tonight. And, the less, the, like, I'm not going to get no sleep, and I'm going to get burnt out because I'm going to be tired. And I think people don't respect some of that sometimes. Like, because I am hands-on, I have to do this. Right. And they take it personal. And I don't understand why, because I say to myself, it's like, well, what if I packed a cooler one day, got in my car, grabbed a couple of my boys, and we just started showing up at people's job sites, and we start cracking beers, and like, hey, buddy, what's going on? You'd be like, what are you doing? You can't be here, you yeah. know? But because I have a motorcycle shop. I have beans to count. Right, and I'm, I'm in the bike shop, and you want to come by and see all my stuff I'm doing. I make it like a cool place to hang on, a good vibe, that when they do come in and just say, I don't have time today to deal with that. I can't talk today. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. They take it personal. And I, it's tough because I don't want to upset anybody, but at the same time, it's like I'm hurting myself, I'm hurting the person I'm working on their bike, and I'm not going to get this done if I keep allowing people to come in and stop me from what I'm doing. Because it's like, you, you build motors, I'm not going to be building someone's motor or transmission, yeah. and a guy's going to want to talk to me about what's going on, and I'm trying to, like, okay. You Did know I put the spiral lock in the piston pin? Did right. I oil the piston pin correctly? Right. And it's like, I have done something dumb. Like, I made a mistake because I let that happen, and... At the end of the dance, now it's become a big problem, and now I have to take it apart and start all over because I let someone distract me because I was too afraid to say, buddy, today's not the day. Another day, come back. Come yeah. back another day. I can't do this today with you. What is your uh, – do you have any kryptonite? And it doesn't have to be motorcycle-related, but, I mean, do you, have, do you have any kryptonite in your life? Yeah. It's when – my biggest thing is if someone's upset with me, I hate controversy with anybody. I've had controversy with some people in this industry, man, and I, it bothers me because I hate it because I'm not that person. So I, it wears on me heavy. People can tell by just talking to me, if you know me, if something's bothering me, it flares my gout instantly because I just, I can't just go, fuck that dude, I don't give a shit. It bothers me because I think about it. So that is my kryptonite. So I, you, I get my feelings with a lot of things sometimes. If you came with a disclaimer, what would what would what would you want people to know about you the most? Like like, hey, listen, you know, 
this is how to this is how to come at me if you've got a problem or this is how to come at me if you need help it's, how, what's that if you know if there was if you could turn you over and read the back of the box that Corey comes in I say it, don't come at me aggressively if like I think it, like in this world you're allowed to have disagreements with people mm-hmm. and I had this conversation with my buddy Jared not long ago it's like we've been friends since we were 10 years old have me and Jared got arguments absolutely but as friends you're allowed to have different opinions of things and the next day you can still talk about it. I just feel like everybody I've met down here and, and in this industry, it's like you have a disagreement with them, and all of a sudden it's like we're done. And it's like, what do, what do you mean? It's like, it's like I just built you a whole custom motorcycle, dude. Like, like I said, oh, I was like, it's just like they walk away from you, and they feel like they get so many feelings about it. Just like, so if you want to talk to me, like, I am. I wear my heart on my sleeve. We are gonna have a disagreement at some point in our lives with right. something, and I don't want to argue with you, man. Like, let's just talk about it and move forward from that point on, you know. And I tried to do that with that guy. That guy I was telling you about that came in my shop that was unhappy with me. It was if something was totally out of my control, something he self-inflicted on himself, and he wrecked his own bike. But he came at me like I did it. And I'm just like, man, I didn't do that to your bike, dude. Like right. you did it to yourself. But you're making your problem my problem, and there's a way to. To approach somebody by saying, hey, man, I fucked up. I know you're busy as hell. Is there any way you can get me in and just help me fix this so, so I can get back on my bike? Right. And I would have put, I would definitely would have got him in and did it. But you got to come at me a certain way. You can't just come at me and be like, hey, I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm really unhappy. I spent a lot of money here. And, and, and make me feel bad about the problem that you just caused yourself with your own motorcycle. <clears throat> you said a, a lot of people down here. And so I'm, I think you're referring to the fact that, you know, um, you're you're from Richmond, Mass, and right from uh, like Norton, Mass. So it's like near Brockton, East. Brockton, End. okay, yeah. yeah. So, do you think that part of the issue is that everybody seem it seems like a, a disproportionate number of people that live in Florida are from somewhere else, and so the social constructs of, of where they're from? Because you know, you know as well. You you alluded to it earlier that you know the guy that works with you is is from Rhode Island, so he has mm-hmm. this really strong work ethic, right? Yeah. And I find that people up north have a really strong work ethic. That doesn't mean that people from Florida don't. I just mean that I know that it's 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 a tough, people that are not from up north don't understand how hard life is from October 1st through April 30th, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, we're fighting, we're fighting in an environment that would kill us if we didn't have a box that had heat in it right. for us to, to live in and drive in and work in, right? Yep. Um, do you think that part of the issue is that so many people down here are from other places and so they don't have history with, with that individual or do you think it's just just the, the order of the day? No, I think like big thing is if, if you're born and raised here in Florida, you have that beach life lifestyle. Like you you got one like one speed, one speed only. Right. There's no hustle down here at all. I and feel you, like that's a, that everything is on a medium pace. Yeah, and from you Florida. can't fall victim to that by moving here. So that's yeah. one thing I stay away from. I stay, I have a good work ethic, and I'm on it with that stuff. Um, secondly, I think Florida is a giant toilet bowl, and when you flush, everybody runs to Florida. And when I say that, I'm like, you're running away from drugs, or you, you run away from a problem somewhere else, and you think... I mean, how many people have you talked to in your life? Like, man, I'm going to move to Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's like, right. It seems like the thing to do. So everybody, you flush and everybody comes to Florida. So I've learned, like, my friends at home, 
those are the dudes that are going to go, like, if someone hits you, they're hitting that person for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Down here, I just feel like a lot of people have an agenda, and you just got to, like, keep a wall up. You got to keep um, your guard, small circle, and that's what, going back to what you asked before, like, I keep a small circle, so when something in my circle gets messed up, that's what messes me up. Because I try to keep my guards up where I don't let people come into my world. It's going to hurt my friends that I've made down here. And right. I stick up for them and I help them and they help me, you know. So it's. Yeah, you and I have experienced that firsthand together a couple yeah. years ago yeah. in Ybor. Um, there's, yes. A, <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> there's a there's a saying that says that there's two kinds of people, faucets and drains. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. hundred percent I agree with that. I do. I do. <laughs> I can elaborate on that so many times, but I'm just, yeah, I agree with that. There's faucets, there's drains. And I think down in Florida, you like, you have more drains. I know you're from Detroit. Right. And I bet you probably have a, a big circle of friends you had back then, which were more faucets to you that help you out, push you forward way down here. They, yeah, they pushed me into doing what I'm doing. It took me a long time. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm eight years older than you are, and I started the same year you did. Yeah. So if you contextualize that, I was 30, you're 22 mm -hmm. at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, by the time you're, you're my age, you're going to have nearly 30 years into this business. And it took me 10 years of trying to do this and trying to do that while still having a family and having kids and a wife and buying houses and selling houses and trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to find something that, that made me happy because I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. I made a lot of money. And it did lots of neat things, but I didn't do anything that meant anything like like the motorcycle business does to me. And uh, I, I often say that I could quit my job right now, but I couldn't quit my motorcycle family. I couldn't quit my my motorcycle people. I couldn't quit. I could not do this for a living, but it's not. Gonna, it means that I'm going to go back to sitting in a box and thinking about doing this all day. Right. Right. Um, I like to use an anal the, the triangle analogy, and triangles obviously have three sides, and one of them would be work, finance, and family. And I feel like in order to keep a, a balanced life, you have to keep moving that, you know, flipping that triangle to the next point. Which, which of those peaks is at the top right now with you? We're, we're, dude, I see, like I what, what kind of neighborhood are we in here, man? It's, it's, <laughs> it's 11 o'clock in the morning, the cops are here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rare. That's a rare. You're right, yeah. Uh, I think it's that's more. Somebody must have fallen and they can't get up. That's, that's, that's an ambulance that's picking somebody up in a walker right now. Um, I don't think like the big thing is like, I don't think I have a triangle. I think I almost have like a straight line and it just spins and it's it's work, finance, work, finance because okay. like, I don't have the family thing and it's like it's like I go home, sleep, repeat, Groundhog Day, right? Uh, but my shop, honestly. It's my number one priority, 100%. I, I can't stress enough to anybody in this industry, like, you think you want to get into the motorcycle industry, you think it's cool, and it is. It's an awesome, an awesome industry to be in. But I'll tell you this, if you do not give it 120% every single day to that one thing, and that is your shop, and you, it, I just don't know many people that are hands-on, that go in every single day, that, can, that do it. And like, like when I say that, like that don't have problems at home with their wives and kids because like they're neglecting their kids and their family and they travel and do all that stuff. It's like, it's a very hard balance. 
And I mean, I know you, you you know, your marriage like that. I'm sure you've had problems with your your marriage because you let your the shop. Well, it was I was flipping that triangle, yeah. And sometimes the shop was at the top of that triangle, and, and the family wasn't. Right. And then I would flip it and focus on the family, and now the finance is down at the bottom. And you know, there's every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So, yeah, it would fair to say that. But I think that's part of part of the. First off, it's it's I ask for every bit of it. You know, when I have a bad day, I I tell myself, okay. You asked for all of this. Right, right. You know, I went through, you know, you, you kind of know what I went through this last year, and, and I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm 100% happy with the outcome, but I'm, I'm, I'm reconciling it, and, I'm, yeah. and, and I, I have no choice but to accept it, and, and I understand what happened. Right. So, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that, uh, and you know, you know Karen very well, and yep. she was, one thing I will tell you about last year, and I was gone a lot and spent a lot of our money doing a lot of things for that for that to work yeah. and not one time did she complain so I'm, I'm fortunate yeah. right but getting back to what you would you would if you were going to mentor somebody in the way that you were mentored are you more of a tough love guy or are you more of a I do we do you do kind of guy when you're teaching somebody right because you have to teach people to do things the way you want them done at KSO I'd have to say I would have to make myself a tough love guy because that's how I was mentored because I was scared shitless. Is that why you don't take on more employees? Because you're 100%. not, because you don't have it in you to be an asshole? I'm not an asshole, and I don't have, and I can't, like, I was, the way I was mentored, like I said, like, I couldn't be that person, but that person made me who I am, and, like, I appreciate that, but it's not my, I don't have an angry bone in my body, man, to be like that with somebody. So it's very tough for me to mentor somebody. I can tell them and show them how to do it, but I can't sit there and just, like, beat you up. And embarrass you in front of people because I want to be like, what are you retarded? Like, why don't you get this? I, I'm not that person. I can't do it. And I've tried to mentor. I had a kid that worked for me. I tried to do it. I mean, I was showing him how to do fork seals one day. I watched a kid put the fork seal on three times backwards in front of me. I mean, you have a 50-50 chance every time to do this. <laughs> you hit it three times backwards. It's just like, I, I'm just a bad teacher when it comes to that stuff, I guess. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, and then. Going back to what we were just talking about, too, I, I got to ask you this because um, with your situation going home at night, how many times have you had a bad day and you go home and and you take it out on your significant other? I mean, <clears throat> how does that go over for you? Well, so, dude, you got to remember, I got married when I was 20. My wife was 18. She was still in high school. Uh, we came down here to Florida on our honeymoon uh, on her spring break, her senior year. And it wasn't a shotgun wedding. It was none of that stuff. It was a it was a situation in our lives where we knew we wanted to be together for the rest of our lives. So we figured, why not just start it now? And and to to some degree, it was a little kitschy, and it was too early. We've made it work. We've been married twenty eight years, and but yeah, so we made a deal. Like, I want you. It, it, here's my the best answer I can give you. I want you to think. Just stop for one second, and I want you to think of every girlfriend you've had since you graduated from high school. Every one of them. Right? Yeah. And then I want you to think of every shitty argument you've ever had with them, whether it be big or small, important, insignificant. I've had those with the same person. Mm -hmm. So my answer to you is, is we have gained enough wisdom through loving each other the way we do to where we, I call it downloading. And yeah. when we go home, whoever's had the, the worst day, yeah. they get to go first. And they, we, we spend time with each other, downloading each other's day, and just listen. 
you know? And so I would give anybody that advice. You know, I get in my own head because I don't think I'm successful. I think I can be. I think I can do well. I do a lot of stuff, but I don't, you know, that's one of the questions that I'll, I'll pose to you after I say this is that I don't have, I, I don't, I haven't hit my number yet, right? So I have a number. What's your number? Is it a money number? Is it a, how many years? It's very hard, man, because I, I will tell you this money never gets me up in the morning. Yeah. I'm the same way. But money has kept me up at night. Yeah. And so what I work on is developing three rules for my business. And because my daughter is taking over our business and I have tried, honestly, Corey, I've tried every which way to talk her out of it. Not because I don't want her to do it, because I know how hard it's going to be for her. And I need her to want it, like you said, you have to want it more than anything. Right. You have to spend those hours there. So I need her to understand the importance of that. So my three rules are you feed the wolf at the door, you take care of your employees, and you live to work another day. And those are the three rules that I'm imploring into my daughter. And so my number is uh, I don't ever want to retire completely. I have, I want to make a salary every week. My life right now, Corey, is as good as it could. If it never got any better than what it is, but I was able to maintain it, I'm happy. So my number's a lot lower than most people think. There's a couple things I'd really like to, that I haven't done yet, but I'm afraid of them. And I'll tell you why I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid of them because I have, this is not me being verbose. I have achieved everything I've wanted to achieve to this point. So I'm afraid to put that goal in front of myself because I don't ever want it to be enough. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. What's your number? I'm with you. I don't have a number, man. I'm uh, money does not motivate me. It doesn't drive me nothing. I know we need it. Um, I'm a hundred people ask me, how you doing right now? I am blessed. I mean, we're sitting at my house right now. I have a house in Florida. I live in Sarasota. It's paradise. I go jet skiing a lot. My shop runs itself sometimes with my guy or I'm there doing it. Um, I'm like you, if I can maintain this every day and do this every day, I'd be happy right now. I mean, I know so many people that millionaires and they're sad. They live on the water. They look at the ocean every day. I'd love to have that. I mean, that's my only other goal from this point on. I would love to have a condo because I don't think I can afford a house, but a condo on the water where I could have my coffee on the water in the morning and I have a nightcap at night and look at the ocean because I love that. One of the things that I really, truly, you know, Karen and I, um, I here's something that you might not know about me. I've lived in my house for 12 years. Okay. I'm 40. I'll be 49 in a couple of weeks. I've lived in my house longer than any, than, than I've lived in any place since the day I was born. My parents moved us around oh, wow. so much. Right. That's crazy. And then when I got married, it was, we bought a house in the ghetto and then we moved up a little bit and then we, you know, you, you click up, right. You Mm -hmm. you level up. Mm -hmm. Right. But now my kids are gone and I have grandkids. And so my house that was only, you know, 2,500 square feet is now, it feels like it's 4,500 square feet. Right. You know, I now have, I have two guest bedrooms. I have a guest bathroom. You know, we have a pool. We have, we live on an acre and all that stuff. And, And all that stuff is great. But now, Someday, I want a house in Anna Maria or somewhere like that, not on the water. I want a 900 or 1,000 square foot house 
with one of those one-car garages that just has a couple bicycles and a motorcycle in it with the laundry room in there, and everything's painted pastel pink or fucking <laughs> flesh tone. Yep. And I want to be able to, for my wife and I to walk to a beachside bar, have lunch, watch the sun go down, walk home, and and that be our that be a part of what we do. Yeah, no, that's a, and that's an awesome. So that's my number. Yeah, and 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 here's the other thing. And since we we're, we've talked, you know, pretty intimately about our business situation and life situation, one of the things, and I don't want to dox anybody here, but this person's already put this out on the, on the internet. I remember when I got into this business, the Discovery Channel thing hadn't really taken off. It was a, it was a OCC American Chopper. Yep. And to be fair, full disclosure, I wasn't on the Jesse James West Coast Choppers deal right out of the gate. I had never seen anything like Orange County Choppers, and when they did that Discovery Channel thing with the the F sixteen bike and everything, I really, I really thought that was cool. I didn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was watching the Great Biker Build Off, and I yeah. saw Billy Lane, you know, in a fucking shop down in Melbourne, Florida, building that misbehaving bike, and yeah. I went, "Holy shit!" I never knew that this was something you could do for a living. Yep. And that was life-changing. And so the one thing I didn't want to do was, you know, Jesse James is getting married for the fifth time. I never wanted to leverage. I was never willing to leverage my marriage mm -hmm. to be successful. Right. So I will tell you that my number, if Karen, if I was to go home today and, and Karen wasn't there and there was a Dear John letter, I wouldn't want any of it. Right, right. That's tough. I would honestly probably close my shop, take my tools and my motorcycles, and I would get a job working for Chris and Becca Rang at at fucking Rang Cycle, or go work for go work for you, or go work for somebody else. Because I this sounds shitty, but I want it all. Right? Do you know? Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. And that's like I don't have that because I, I'm afraid because I don't want to. I'll mess that up. You know what I mean? I know I'll mess that up. But when you do it. Well, you balance it. You keep Karen happy, and you you have that triangle. I think I know I'd mess that up in a second. I'd mess it up like if I had a if my girl lived here and a kid, I'd be I'd be Jesse James. I'd be divorced because I know I couldn't make. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough to like. It goes back to what I was saying. Like I feel like me, I put the pressure on myself that my shop needs a hundred and twenty percent of my attention, and I don't know how to. You said, where's your kryptonite? I, things weigh on me. I think about it all. So for when I come home, I don't know how to shut that off and then turn on, hey, here's family guy Corey coming home now to the door and not think about what's going on in my shop because my phone constantly rings. And unfortunately, like, people are like, man, you got to get two phones and shut that thing off. And it's just like people take it so personal. When I met you, you had two phones. I know. And I, I, I got rid of it, and it's just like, I use this phone, but people, don't you realize, like, don't you feel like we're so accessible nowadays where if some, like, I hate when someone calls you and then you don't answer because possibly you're building a motor or you're doing something. Taking a shit. And, and they then send you a follow-up text message, like, or they give you, like, you never answer your phone, do the sound. It's like, it's like, dude, I am busy. You know what I mean? If I don't answer my phone, I will try to get back to you when I can, but I can't just be like, just because right then and there, you want to talk to me, I have to talk to you. I have a list of people that, uh, I have a list of people that I answer no matter what, 
and it's funny. I have like I have I keep five guys right that are my dudes, and those are the guys that that have access to everything I own. And then there's a smaller group outside of that that when those five guys call, I don't always answer the phone because right. they fucking know better that if I don't answer the phone for them calling, it's important. Right. And then there's dudes like you that if you call. I answer and and I'll tell you why you're on the list. Of, I never I've never hit the fucking mute button on you, and here's why. Because of what you just said, I know that your phone rings off the hook, and I know that if you're calling me, that it's important. Yeah, Does that makes sense. No, I 100 makes sense, and that's how I am with a lot of my like if if my brother Jason or. Because he owns a bike shop. Yeah. If my brother Jason calls me, I try to answer that phone call all the time. If uh, my family calls me, I'll, I'll try to answer that phone call. Uh, if you called me, same thing. If you called me, uh, Dave Dupour, uh, Shope, Perowitz, I always answer the phone for those people. But I do have a lot of people that just disrespect the fact that you that I they, they have your phone number and they're like, and another thing, and another thing. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, man. You're like, you see what's going on here. Can't, give me a break, you know? But then you're like, then they get mad. And it's like, how do you, like, like how do you handle that? I have one last question for you. Yeah. What is your legacy plan? Do you have a legacy strategy? Um, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I had this, when I was just at Donnie Smith's show, and we talked about this last night. Uh, I remember I was talking to Donnie late night in the in the lobby of the hotel, and, you know, I was just, he was telling me I was doing a good job, and, you know, I continue to do bikes, I ride the Sturgis every year, and stuff like that. And that means a ton to me coming from Donnie Smith, because I think he's a great, great guy. But I'll tell you, we did his birthday, his 80th birthday this year, and, like, there was probably, you know, 300 people in a ball in a ballroom all there to say happy birthday to him. And I just like, I thought that's the coolest thing, man. I said to Donnie right then there, I said, man, if I take away from anything from this, uh, I hope I end up like with you, like like how you have it here, man. You're a good dude. He's super humble. Uh, I think he's a cool guy. I think he's done so much for this industry. He's built a lot of cool stuff, even way back with Smith Brothers with the front ends and stuff like that. And everybody there just to say happy birthday. I, I just say that's cool. It's like, you got to, a room full of friends, man. It's all sad birthday to you, man. I just think that's so cool, and that's what my legacy would be, man. I want people to, I want a line around the building if I die tomorrow to, to come to my funeral to say and and make sure you tell a story of that something funny or something like that that I did for you or that made you laugh or got you through a hard time or something, man. I'd rather people celebrate, you know, my life at that point, and that would be my legacy. I'd be good with it, man. I'm happy now. Good. I'm glad that you're happy. I really appreciate you having me over. Yeah, I appreciate sure. the hospitality last night. Um, you know, make sure you, you can follow you at K- K- KSO Originals. What What is the Corey Souza Originals is the Instagram handle, right? That's the best yeah, place Corey to reach Rizzo, you. Corey, CoreySouza.com uh, is my website. Uh, then, you know, emails, Corey at CoreySouza.com. The email, get a hold of me. I'm not giving my phone number because too many people have my phone number. <laughs> so I'm not guaranteeing any more people that already have it. Uh, no, check us out. Follow us. We got a... We got a big thing coming up for Sturgis this year. I was an, I was asked to do a, a build off against John Shope, which I'm a big fan of John Shope. Uh, some people love him, some people hate him. Uh, I talked to John Shope on a personal level, and he's a really good dude. Mm-hmm. Down, you know, 
Uh, and I'm excited to go against him. I mean, he's won every hot bike build off he's ever done, man. He yeah. went, he's got like, I think, 30 rings. I mean, I put them on all his fingers. <laughs> he's got them on his toes and shit to show people. Him. But I'm excited about this opportunity. Uh, win or lose, I don't care. Uh, I'm, what they're going to do is show the first Saturday of Sturges. And then there's a drag race, right? And then we saw that last year after the Parowitz paint show on Wednesday. Burt Baker puts on a. A Baker show, burnout drags yeah, thing, yeah. At the, uh, where is that even located? Downtown Surge, just the eighth mile track. Yeah. Um, so, me and Shope went there last year. We were having problems with the tree. What he says, that's not the real story, but. Uh, <laughs> but so shots this, fired. Yeah, shots fired. So, this year I'm excited about it because after we do the bike show, uh, we're going to Drag Race, best out of three, which that is. That's my that's in my blood right there. I'm more excited about the drag race than about building a bike. Um, I'm excited that he wants to do it with me because I mean, how many guys you know build customers like that to track race them? They're no, proven right. that they not can build a quality bike. They're, you're right. There's not, not enough. Just, it's just the same as there's not enough guys riding their bikes to start just because I think, you know, I don't understand why you wouldn't. <laughs> For me, it's a time thing, but I, I it's something that I have to, you know, you have I have to, to I have to find the, the the I have to find the the time to where I can leave long enough to. And that has to do with, you know, flipping that triangle over and making it. sure that there's people at the at the shop that can handle it. And I've got a really good staff now, so I, I think that, you know, my, my time's coming. And, it, and it's like, I, and I've heard other people tell me that same thing, the time thing. And, I mean, that's the thing. You have that triangle where I tell you i got a, a line that just keeps switching around. But that's the only time where I can be in my helmet for 38, whatever it takes, 36 hours total to get there where no one can get a hold of me or bother me for 36 yeah. hours. And, and I'm, in, I'm in the wind. Yeah. I mean, isn't that why we do this, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited about that coming up. So, dude, I love you. I appreciate you very much for having me out here, and uh, make sure you guys follow Corey Souza online, and uh, we're good to go.